0: You're like a fucking clown. There's
1: so many. Like so many still. I mean, Rebecca got one covered in snakes, and I got. No one has one of those. Eggs. No one has a snake one. Hey, New Thing Nation, and welcome to another exciting episode of One New Thing. This is episode eight, and that means we're halfway through the season. I'm your host, Derek Wallace, joined as always by the longest day of summer, Ryan Kukarutz. Hey there. I mean, before we get started, I got a little housekeeping. It's been nagging at me, eating at me all week. I made a reference to George Orwell, meaning to make a reference to Orson Welles' kook. I can't go forward without calling myself out on that. I'm sorry. We're better. We're professionals. That's not the kind of error, lapse in lexicon I want to be making.
2: Well, we're a partnership, Derek. I edited that episode, so I got to take just as much blame.
1: What? You're going to stand in solidarity with my like literary failures?
2: Well, I know I wouldn't have known his name at all. Like, personally, I thought that the person who did the War of the Worlds audio play was Forrest Gump. So, so I'm not going to be mad at you for confusing two very similar names, right?
1: Well, you know what? It's good to know that you're going to stand in solidarity with my literary failures on an episode about us recording our own plays. But before that, how was your week, buddy?
2: Pretty good, man. Um, I got the move all done. I got moved in. I know Condo Talk has been a pretty fun little segment here the last couple weeks, but uh, I'm in. The new condo smell is gone. It's just getting everything set up now and just getting used to my new surroundings, man.
1: I mean, I got to ask, did you unpack your toothbrush or your podcast equipment first?
2: Well, funny enough, it probably would have been the podcast equipment. I mean, I'm just that kind of guy, but my parents actually came down. They helped me move all into my place, and once we finished lifting, like all the heavy stuff, everything was inside, all the boys sat down and cracked a beer, and my mom was kind of <laughs> puttering around, and I just like, hey mom, you looking for something to do? She's like, yeah, It's like, you can set up my kitchen and my bathroom, so she did, so
1: thanks mom, love you. That's classic mom behavior, thanks Ryan's mom.
2: Yeah, but that was my week, man, Uh wasn't too much, it was honestly a big move, but yeah man, that was basically my entire weekend. Big move, <laughs> locks empty beer cans, dudes with sore biceps, but uh, how about you? I know Camp and Derek came out to play. We we love a Camp and Derek.
1: Yeah, I had another camping weekend this weekend. I mean, between your move and my camping, our episode's getting out a little late, but if I hadn't admitted that out loud, no one would ever know a few months in the future. But camping was pretty good. I, uh, again, drank like I do. Uh, the ca- The campground, I don't want to name it by name, but the one we were at was definitely operating outside of its capacity and it was a bit of crummy crummy quality campsites, but we found like an abandoned or I guess not abandoned, but a out of service rock quarry and did a bunch of swimming in there. Buddy caught some fish. It was nice. It was a nice time.
2: So I'm glad you had a good time swimming, but I need to know about these campsites. Why were they so poor?
1: I think okay, so we've got this whole COVID thing. It's the whole world's problem and up Here, it seems that as a result of not being able to go to, like, sporting events or bars or whatever, people are really turning to camping as a way to, like, enjoy a weekend. And so this campsite or campground clearly has a capacity of, let's say, you know, ballpark 500 sites. They added, like, another 250 just in what I think was once a parking lot. So it was, like, us getting pretty drunk with zero tree cover, like, literally a white picket border around us. And then just families with kids, watching me wake up like you can't even crawl into your tent and then pee into the woods like you have to go to a porta potty and that's not camping as far as i'm concerned
2: no not at all sounds like you were in a camping trailer park
1: yeah so this is this is my hashtag
2: yelp review podcast (laughs) what if we just did yelp reviews as a new thing
1: as a new thing, I was honestly thinking that we should do a week where we Google
2: Maps hard and then we read our reviews at the end of it. Just Maps hard. We'll tweak it. We'll figure something out. We got a lot of seasons coming here. Yeah,
1: I think it could be funny. But yeah, I mean, my, my week was good. The downside, the drawback being that between my camping and your moving, again, we we fell behind. So this new thing was a bit of a crunch. But
2: I mean, Ryan, how did you feel about it? Well... When you announced it, man, it was probably the first time since, like, the children's book that I didn't have to fake being excited about one of your activities. <laughs> like, I'm always interested in your activities, but this one I was, like, genuinely excited about. Now, I did know it was going to be a little difficult to get the 10 minutes you were requesting with the move, but I enjoy writing. Like, I enjoy being creative. So, yeah. Yeah. I was genuinely, like genuinely pumped up about this one. I mean,
1: it just wouldn't be a Derek Wallace new thing if I didn't make sure to select like some thousand hour arts and crafts project. And that is kind of my calling card. I mean, I definitely hit on time consuming this week, but I mean, I'm happy to hear that you
2: we're excited about it that's not common for this podcast (laughs) no no you are not wrong man but i was very very pumped up about this one man like pumped you know what else pumps me up derek don't do it come on derek you know what really gets me amped up (laughs) derek just say it
1: is it facts and stats
2: it's facts and stats hit it jesus christ Okay, here we go. And here we go. Are you ready? Well, there's so much that goes into audio plays. There's so many different directions, so many different stats and facts I could have went with. But we got a long show today, man. I'll keep it short and sweet for you. I'll just give you, let's say, three or four hot stats and facts. So audio plays themselves, they were extremely popular forms of entertainment. You know, they could be dramas, they could be comedies, they could be thrillers. And they were just a huge part of uh, North America between 1930 and 1960, obviously dying down quite a bit um, once their video counterparts hit the scene.
1: Wait, are you telling me that video killed the radio play?
2: Video killed the radio play. (laughs) However, podcasts, working on killing television, they're all the rage right now. Anyone can start one. I mean, look at us. We started one. We don't know anything.
1: As far as we're concerned, yeah.
2: Yeah, we just decided to do it. So obviously, podcasts, they're uh, changing that environment. They make up over 10% of all content consumed by millennials right now. Um, Obviously, you know, it's taboo to say it, but we fall in that category, Derek.
1: I'm a proud millennial. What do you think I am? Like Gen Z? I ain't no boomer.
2: I'm proud now to be a millennial after seeing how Gen Z has turned out. What an old man thing for me to say, though. So obviously with the audio format, it is just blowing up right now. Um, Actually, Dr. Joe Devlin, uh, he did a study recently where he was giving people both uh, an audio version of something and a video version of something. And actually, all of the biometrics tied to emotional response, so, you know, your heart rate, your temperature, et cetera, had a stronger reaction with audio. So audio actually got people more amped up. That's some,
1: like, pretty hard double-blind science coming from a guy who sounds like he's got a doctorate in line backing.
2: Well, you know what? You can be both, Derek.
1: <laughs> Dr. Joe, what was it, Joe Devlin?
2: Yep. Dr. Joe Devlin.
1: coolest. That sounds like the guy who plays the doctor in Expendables is
2: Dr. Joe Devlin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he was in American Gladiator. He was laser. (laughs) Oh, no way. (laughs) Here's another fact for you, Derek. Did you know that if a play is on Broadway, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's actually a Broadway play? I mean,
1: yeah, I did know that. We've got a Broadway theater here in Winnipeg called the Rainbow Stage. Its fucking slogan is uniquely Winnipeg definitely broadway which i mean just seems like a justification (laughs) to me it's like the age is not a number of broadway plays
2: (laughs) yeah that's hilarious every city has a broadway street so i learned something on this facts and stacks as well because i had no idea but what actually makes a broadway play is theater seat capacity (laughs) yeah a theater has to have at least 500 seats to be considered broadway so even if your play is on broadway street If it's less than 500 seats, it's not a Broadway play, which is hilarious. Oh.
1: So what you're saying is that you and I can't open, like, a four-seat Buick Regal play theater, park it on Broadway Street, and be Broadway performers. You're safe for now, Lin-Manuel
2: Miranda, but we're coming for you. Yeah, I mean, dare to dream, right? Dream big. Here's a fun fact for you, Derek. Are you a fan of the Pope? I mean, I like Pope's Malone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah, everyone likes Pope's Malone, man. He's the patron saint of all things slightly (laughs) autotuned. Pope Malone is an absolute deity and a gem of a human being. But yeah, prior to becoming the Pope, Pope John Paul II actually wrote a play. It was called The Jeweler's Shop, which played at the Westminster Theater in 1982. Pretty crazy, right? Did you know,
1: Ryan, that Pope John Paul II isn't named after either Lennon or
2: McCartney? (laughs) No, actually, I did not know. I did not know that uh, about him. But you want to know what's actually even crazier is... Did you know that his name isn't even John Paul? His name is actually George Ringo. (laughs) You had to change it. You had to change it for the church. Pope George Ringo.
1: (laughs) The patron saint of fucking trailer park dinner material. (laughs) Jesus Christ.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. The hymn was actually originally... Hey, Judith.
1: <laughs> Thou shalt not keep pissing in my azaleas. And on the seventh day, he was arrested. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And last but not least, Eric, we're getting to the age where a lot of our friends are starting to have kids and stuff, and they are forced to listen to this podcast too, so I thought we'd better do a facts and stats for the kids, for the kiddos, man. Stay away from the kids. (laughs) Yeah, restraining order podcast. (laughs) Yeah, we got legions of listeners now. Some of them got kids. I figured, why not throw in a little uh, educational segment for them? So, without further ado, facts and stats, kids edition. Hit it. You don't. No, of course I don't. Derek, do you know what the difference is between a comedy and a tragedy? No, I don't, Ryan. What is the difference between a comedy and a tragedy? Well, a tragedy is a movie, television show, or play that ends sad.
3: Aww.
2: But a comedy ends happy. Yay! That's it. See you next time. I appreciate so much that you left me two weird bits. (laughs) I hope no one ever pays us. (laughs) So that was another edition of Facts and Stats. So I was already pumped and then I heard those and I'm more pumped. So I wrote a play,
1: man. How, like, do you have inspiration? Do you want to build this thing up for me? Create a
2: world, Ryan. Yeah, I'll create a real, real short description. Um, <laughs> as far as inspirations went, it was all the greats, man. No, uh, um, inspo. Well, I'll, I'll let you try and figure out the inspo, okay? But when I got the task, I was like, 10 minutes. Ooh. Shit. What am I going to do? I'm going to go dialogue heavy. I like writing dialogue. I'm good at writing dialogue. This thing is going to have a lot of conversation. And the end product, I'll say this. It is pretty chaotic. It's a pretty chaotic play.
1: Chaotic? Would you say, like, chaotic neutral? Or is it chaotic good, chaotic evil? Where do we land on the quadrant of Dungeons & Dragons
2: personality <laughs> types? Um, I don't i don't think I'd call my play evil, but... Um,
1: You know what? I'm going to tell you where it lands at the end of this fucking thing.
2: Yeah, that works for me. I can't really describe it. We'll play it. You can tell me what you think. I did go a little crazy writing it. It is a little all over the place, but I had a lot of fun writing this thing. So just roll the clip. Here is my attempt at an audio play. It's called The Tennessee Five.
4: In the late 1800s, the Wild Wild West was true to its name as great outlaws like Billy the Kid, Wild Bill Hickok, and James West were roaming the American frontier and building a legacy. This is not their story. While the West was making all the headlines, a band of fugitives in the less-talked-about Southeast were writing their own tale, roaming the Rocky Tops, robbing any bank, train, or distillery that they stumbled upon. These five desperados all brought a unique skill set to the band of thieves. Johnny Twinkles McGee was the leader of the pack. Nobody knows why they call him Twinkles, and he'll shoot you dead for asking. Johnny learned the outlaw life as Doc Holliday's ranch hand, but was banished from the West after bedding Doc's mama. Not before old Doc Holliday took his left eye, though. I thought at least that's what the group reckons. Johnny is not a man of many words. Howdy. Next was Maurice Moses, his right-hand man. Nicknamed Blowhard. He claims it's because he once fired so much lead in a saloon gunfight you needed to take a real deep breath to clear the barrel smoke. Some of the back alley fancy boys claim a different origin, but I digress. Come on. Then we have Rose Wildhog Bray. She's about ten pounds of TNT packed into a shotgun shell. They call this Spitfire Wildhog because one day she stumbled out of the bush smelling like shit. She may not be the most desirable lady in the southeast, but this little spitfire can hold her own in a bar fight with any cowboy in the country.
5: You best believe, I'll cut
4: y'all. Jesse Jones. He has the fastest trigger finger east of the Mississippi. They call him Six Fingers, cause anyone he duels swears on their deathbed he's got extra digits. The only thing more distinctive than his trigger finger is his marble mouth. Can't understand a goddamn word that boy says. (laughs) Talking about opening your dang ears, man. Also, there's Steve. Hello. Together they make the fiercest ragtag group of bandits in all the Southeast. Together they are the Tennessee Five. <laughs> The last stretch of forest on the outskirts of a developing city.
2: We're here.
6: Ain't this sight? Chattanooga, Tennessee. When's the last time you were back home, Jesse?
7: Man, talking about graybacks and blue bellies. We're all at each other's throats, Goddamn. Last time I was here a long time, man.
6: You goddamn right about that?
5: Enough with the chit-chat. I'm getting antsy. Let's rob this goddamn fucking <laughs> bank
6: no not today good call johnny time for a little rest and relaxation to the whorehouse i could use a stiff one
4: the rusty bucket brothel
5: hello gentlemen and welcome to the rusty bucket i'm madam kitty cunningham the den mother and the original lady of the night ladies line up for these kind travelers Take your pick, gentlemen.
6: All a bit narrow in the shoulders for my
7: liking.
5: Where's the shitter?
7: This ain't my first dang old being around the mulberry bush talking about dang old
2: Geronimo with all of them. You, you got a name, miss?
8: Little old me. Yeah, you. <laughs> my name is Nellie. Nellie Parsons.
5: Good choice, stranger. They don't call her Naughty Nell for nothing. Y'all have a good night.
8: Right this way, big boy.
2: <laughs> I am a big boy, ain't I? I'll just stand down here, boys.
9: Just, uh, I'll just hold the fort.
4: The next day. Chattanooga Municipal Bank.
2: So, y'all ready?
7: Is Lincoln handsome? Talk about Lincoln, man. Dang post poster above your bed, man. All good. Good, man. Dang old lifestyle. I'm judged, I'll tell you what.
5: Enough with all this damn chit-chat. Y'all are a bunch of f***ing nancies.
6: Alright, everybody. Hands up. This is a robbery.
5: Any of you because <laughs> move, and I'll execute every last one of y'all. Hi. Hello. I'm Steve. I'm Steve. How are you doing? Hi.
2: Hey, miss. Put the money in the bag.
4: Yes, sir. Just please don't hurt us.
7: Not to register. Go to the vault. Damn! Talk about dang a horse and pony show, man, I'll tell you what.
5: Yeah, what in the fuck are y'all big belly, big mouths doing here?
9: Reckon I should ask you gray back bottom feeders the same thing. This is a Lawless Triplets robbery, y'all.
4: The Lawless Triplets wouldn't know dung from Wild Honey, but they're mean enough to steal the coins off a dead man's eyes. Lenny Lukewarm Lawless is the brains of the operation, but that's using the term loosely. They call him lukewarm because even his own mama can't get a smile out of him. His brother Longshot Larry Lawless can't tell skunks from house cats, but he can take the spur off a boot from 50 yards downwind with a rifle. Finally, there's his dear sister, the beautiful Lily Lawless. They call her Lustful Lily because she can draw a married man into her train car faster than you can say, give me your wallet. Don't get too close though, her brothers are a tad overprotective.
6: I see two of y'all. Where's the third ugly stepchild?
5: What in the actual f- is going on?
9: Not yet, you idiot. We're in the middle of something. Sorry, my bad. Now, Johnny, why don't you and your little gang of merry men just move along and let us finish up here
2: for you. You hear? No, thank you. I think we got it.
6: Hey, I'm Steve. How's it going? Who the hell is Steve?
8: Stephen A. Smith, you get your butt over here right now. Mama? Did he say mama?
4: Boy, you heard your mama.
6: Papa, I'm just romping with the boys.
4: Is that lip, boy? You getting tough?
6: No, sir. I gotta go, guys. I'm sorry.
2: I swear to God, son, you were so grounded. What did we
1: tell you about robbing people at gunpoint?
6: Don't do it. That's right. God damn it. First Floyd runs off with his Navajo wife, then Chester dies? Now Steve's parents drag him away? Why can't we keep a fifth goddamn partner?
9: Maurice Moses. You know I'd help you take your mind off it if you weren't so keen on staring at my brother Lenny there.
2: What a sexy thing to say. What? I reckon you didn't just hear yourself say sexy. You said sexy, man.
7: No, I didn't. Dang old scene, man. Talk about checking on lady, man. I'd be damned.
6: Y'all know what I meant. Shut your mouth, Lily, before I fill it full of lead. I'm just saying, we can't keep a fifth member.
9: I know we all got guns pointed at each other here,
2: but can I interject? Well, I reckon I suppose that would be okay.
9: Steve didn't seem to be bringing a whole lot to the crew. I mean, why even bring him on in the first place?
2: Cause, it's the Tennessee Five,
6: not Four. Tennessee Five sounds a lot better, and looks a lot better on the wanted posters. Yeah,
9: I reckon. But with the four-man crew, couldn't you just call yourselves Johnny McGee and the Tennessee Three?
6: Well, uh... Damn it, that is a kitchen name, boss.
5: Everyone needs to shut the f*** up before I put bullets in all y'all. Am I the only son b- who's here to rob this f- sucking bank? Do y'all still want
3: this money?
6: Everybody freeze. You're all under arrest.
4: Johnny Law had shown up in the form of one of the most grizzled vets in the game, Sheriff Norman Higgins. This is a man who... Never mind. Don't worry, I shot the sheriff. (laughs) Yeah, well, you did not shoot this deputy. Deputy Drake Wallace, an up and coming lawman. He was gritting his teeth like he could bite the sights off a six gun. New to the. Well, if it isn't my lucky day, the best shot in the state missed. You're all under arrest. Everyone knew Deputy Wallace was crooked as it... a. <laughs> Damn it. I'm just gonna let this play out.
5: There. The law is gone, I got my kill, and the money is ours. Let's put some lead in these and skip town.
9: Easier said than done, lady.
5: I ain't no lady. <laughs> Y'all stop this right now
6: yellow Parsons, what are you doing here?
5: I'm here to take Johnny away from all this violence before he gets hurt.
7: Man, from what, man? Being dangled, awesome? Talking about robbing bank, getting drunk, man. Damn old intercourse, dang old whore, man. Tell you what, this is the life, man. Dang old titties, man. Renting the chicklets, man. Tell you, man, life's great.
5: I'm getting tired of this, boss. I'ma pop this between the eyes right now.
7: No, you ain't. Johnny,
6: don't tell me you spent one night with this narrow-shouldered prostitute and it turned you soft. Damn. Vagis
8: are evil. We did not sleep together. He just needed a little company in this messed up world. You call him boss? You know him as a fearless, brutal, silent leader? Y'all feel this way based on what? Some grand stories that have been passed through the years of a thousand drunken fools? Fables so distorted from the truth that even Johnny himself can't straighten them out. No, I know the real Johnny. Johnny wasn't no ranch hand for Doc Holliday. Johnny was a stable boy for Dr. Maurice Holiday in New Mexico, one of the most respected men of medicine in the West. Johnny wasn't bedding the good doctor's mama. It was the other way around. His mother was a housemaiden having an affair with the Dr. Holiday. And when the missus found out, they had to flee before her family killed him. What about his eye, you ask? Wasn't gouged out by some Wild West outlaw? No, Right before the chuck wagon left New Mexico, a Clydesdale kicked him square in the face. Poor kid never saw it coming. Not only did he lose his eye, but a severe amount of his brain functionality. Why do you think they call him Twinkles? He's been seeing stars and has his head in the clouds since he was eight years old. Your boss isn't mysterious. Your boss is simple. He doesn't choose his words wisely. He just don't know very many of them. A little boy in a grown man's body. And I'm taking him away from this place.
5: What in the tarnation of
7: What you talking about, man? Dang old boss man, just a simple jack man. But wait a minute, if all this is true and Johnny and McGee really
6: can't speak,
2: how the hell did he tell you all this?
5: He didn't. He drew me a bunch of pictures. He loves crayons. Let's go, Johnny.
2: Well, I reckon this is goodbye, Tennessee Five. You still got those crayons?
7: Well I guess I'm gonna take over Dangle Top Dog man. Got crazy horror, man. Talking about crayons, goddamn kids, old grown man bodies, man. Got me all sorts of messed up, man. Damn man. Talking about shoot me in the goddamn jewels, man. Dangle feels bad, man. Not cool, man.
9: No Johnny? No Jesse? Who's the leader now?
5: Hey no female! But wild hog. Gonna put any lead in no cap.
9: <laughs> God damn it, you killed my son.
4: I heard shots.
6: Hey Larry, it's Moses. Everyone else is dead. Oh no, no, no. Oh no, no, no. Lenny? Lily? Are you alright? I hate to tell you this, but we're all alone, my man. Now, I got all this money and there's only two of us left. You reckon I can ask you a few questions? I guess. Number one, you look like your brother Lenny. What? Why? I guess I'm a bit taller. Nice. Question two, what do you think of vagina? Vagina? Makes men do stupid things. Not for me. It's evil. Yeah, that's what I said. Last question. Don't react too quickly. You gay?
2: I think so. Gay. Yeah. What about you?
6: Yeah, I mean, when I think about it, I'm definitely gay. What do you say? We take all this money and start our own crew. Okay.
4: And there you have it the tale of how the first openly gay outlaw duo was formed in the southeastern United States. Larry and Moses would spend the next 20 years shooting up banks and breaking the law, but more importantly, breaking stereotypes and preconceived notions. I think we can all learn a little something from the tale of the Tennessee Five, and remember, don't worry about biting off more than you can chew. Your mouth's probably a whole lot wider than you think. The end.
1: Two claps. Two claps is enough claps that's that's good that was really good thanks man whoever you got to do the intro and outro music took your thing from like a c film to like a b plus film like a film that your parents would hang on the fridge and i also want to say i okay you asked me earlier if i was going to be able to spot your influence and was it like tarantino inspired because
2: yeah man it was clearly tarantino good call
1: It's got elements.
2: Yeah, Tarantino's a mad hatter. There's a lot of little connections that people would have to re-listen to. The connections between the guy being like a quiet assassin and actually just being a simple guy. Um, There's a lot of hints and Easter eggs in there. There's actually three pop culture Easter eggs that uh, the listeners should take a listen for and let me know if they spot them.
1: You've definitely, you haven't heard my play yet, but... I do want to say, like, yours has more, I think, re-listenability than mine does. Like, you'll find something new the second time, whereas mine, not unlike our children's books, is, like, spoon-feeding a (laughs) three-year-old. Overall, I want to give your play, I'm going to say three stars opening night, but, like, four and a half stars for the final show. Yeah, thanks, man.
2: I'll take that rating all day. It's one of those things that you're going to have to be in a certain type of mood to want to re-listen to, but it's definitely there. I think it has potential.
1: Yeah, it depends on like how many free wines everybody's had before they go into the thing. Um, no, it was it was good. I can tell you put the work in. I mean, you're famously a tryhard. That's to be expected. You had something like sixteen. You were saying
2: actors Dude, involved. Dude, in there were seventeen there. voices in total. Seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> that was honestly the craziest part: is <laughs> trying to organize seventeen people to get you voice notes. Normally, I am a tryhard. This time, I tried super hard to get other people to do the work for me. <laughs>
1: Who the fuck? Like, how do you have seventeen people in a ten-minute
2: performance? Like I said, man, dialogue. That's why it was so fucking chaotic.
1: But I mean, yeah, who was who
2: was in this thing? Well, one of our dear friends, Chris Danchel, played the Boomhauer character. That was him. <laughs> yeah, that was dang old, just played old Chris Danchel, and he gave us a bunch of lines, man, and just talked about it. Also, you mentioned the narrator. That's my buddy Duncan. Quick connection for our long-time listeners. Eight episodes in, he was actually one of the three friends, and hello, friends. Now he's oh, no. in my play. <laughs>
1: What meta podcast drop in the bucket?
2: Yeah, honestly, there's 17 people. There's too many to name. I'll name them all later. I'll thank them later. But my dad was in there, made a sneaky appearance too. Your, your dad wasn't in that.
1: Yeah. Oh, he no. Wasn't, he wasn't like the old police chief,
2: was he? Yeah, that was Pops Sheriff Norman Higgins.
1: <laughs> oh, son of a bitch. It's so obvious now. Oh, hey, Rob.
2: Oh, yeah. He <laughs> crushed it. My dad dies like a champion. Probably my best... Uh, on air death out of everyone premonition podcast so yeah i'll say this man yes we were a little late sorry about that again yes it was hectic it was chaotic i didn't really sleep again but this one was so much fun man i had so much fun doing this and connecting with all those people and getting everyone together was great and also i'll say this really quick i know there was a lot of bleeps Like I said, when I write, I end up swearing quite a bit. That's why the children's book was surprising. Uh, But eventually we'll release The Uncensored as some bonus footage. We just had to keep it a little wholesome, keep it on brand. We got kids listening. We do. But enough about me. This was your challenge. This was your idea. Tell me about your play. How would you come up with the concept? What was your inspiration?
1: Well, I slapped the story together while camping and intoxicated. I recorded 90% of my sound effects camping and intoxicated this whole thing seems <laughs> like a fever dream you would have in a tent um, which is to say it's fucking
2: intense especially with this heat out there right now man it probably was like a fever dream you're probably smoldering in there smoldering more like
1: that's that's a it's a killarney cobra
2: sound for you right there no that was jumping into that quarry and your skin sizzling, dude.
1: Like eggs in a cast iron, ah. baby. Uh. <laughs> Anyways. Alright, so this thing is set in like the distant future 1980s in high school town America.
2: Scene <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right. is set. I know. I know what this is.
1: Alright, so without any further ado, here is Racing for Danger The Ballad of Johnny Thunder. I live my life. I drift town to town, sun in my face, the wind in my back, chasing the open road. That's how I found myself here, fastburn. Another one pony town, but at least this one pony town has a garage. And my bike Lucille could use a tour 4 speed. Can you tune up a bike? For speed?
8: Of course! I'll make that baby race like a meteor on fresh asphalt, or my name ain't Axel Fix it.
1: Say, any place I can grab a soda while you turn the wrenches?
8: There's a spot next door with the best burgers in town, but be careful, that's where Dodge Valentine and the best friends gang hang out.
1: Thanks, I'll keep my head down.
8: I'll have that pony pern like a horse by nightfall. What's your name, Mac?
1: My name's Johnny Thunder, the fastest man
2: on two wheels.
8: Round here, there might be a few who disagree with you.
2: Well, well, well. If it isn't another greasy tumbleweed rolling through my town.
1: I don't want any trouble, bud. I'll kick up dust just as soon as my bike's tuned. For speed. You'd
2: better. People are well behaved around these parts. Except, of course, for that blasted best friend gang. Fix it. Do get this boy on his way promptly.
1: What a bent spoke. Take good care of Lucille, would you? I'll see you at nightfall. Can't wait to get out of here.
3: What can I get you, darling?
1: Burger and a soda.
5: This seat taken. Go ahead. Thank you you new
1: in town just passing through
5: you got to name handsome
1: my name is johnny thunder the fastest
0: man on two wheels <laughs> no way a little snot like you's the fastest i'm dodge valentine the law avoiding rubber burning leader of the best friends gang and this is me second in command Lola chance So, i've never lost a race and i live by only two rules the road and you always give your fell back story when confronted by a stranger. If you really are the fastest, you'll have to beat me first.
5: Don't do it, Johnny. it's too dangerous, and I think I'm apparently falling for you now, I guess.
0: You're on. Name the time and the place. Just after nightfall, we'll race from Rivalry Ridge over poorly maintained service roads, through Plot Device Pass up to Untimely Demise Gorge. First one to get there, the fastest wins. <laughs> I'll be there. Later, Lola. I gotta go tune up my bike. For speed.
5: Whatever. Uh, well, guess I'll see you there, Lola.
9: Whatever.
8: Good luck, Johnny. Dodge is quick. But now that your bike is tuned, for speed, I'm sure you can take it.
1: Don't
0: worry, I got this guy.
8: Be careful, Johnny. I guess I'm in love with you
5: now, or something.
0: Don't worry, I got this guy. Enough riddling around. We doing this or what? Lola, you know the drill.
5: Yeah, yeah. Three, two, one, go. (coughs) How's it going? Not bad. Another day, another race for Dodge and the Best Friends gang. And I'd know as the second in command, second to Dodge Valentine. He's first in command. I guess you could say he's my best friend, or maybe I'm in love with him and just won't realize it until some catalyzing event. I don't know. All I know is I live by two rules. The road, and you always give your full backstory when confronted by a stranger.
3: Oh! (laughs) Cool!
0: You're going down, Dodge! No, why? Why? What's up?
2: Pull the vehicle over. You two are under arrest for speed racing.
0: No way! Let's lose this clown! Alright. Punch it!
2: Don't worry. I got this
0: guy. Look out! We're coming up to one timing beach! Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Looks, Looks like right. we'll have
2: to show! I've got you cornered! No! What? Uh, Johnny! Dodge!
8: Oh no! I can't look! What about you, talking dog?
0: your friends now all, all right. right
1: this has been racing for danger the ballad of Johnny Thunder written and directed by Derek Wallace starring Derek Wallace as Johnny Thunder Jacob Aarons as Dodge Valentine Rebecca ends as pinky domino Kelsey Henderson as Axel fix it Sarah Flynn as Lola Chance, Derek Wallace as sexy waitress. Ryan Kukaroots as Constable Jeffrey Bad guy, and with Rollo the Dog as talking Doug.
5: This is ridiculous. You want to grab a bite? Yeah, that sounds nice. Let's go.
2: <laughs> um, that was really, really good, man. First things first, the audio editing was super good. well done man. The sound effects were on point. Where did you find all those? I'm not
1: going to lie to you. There's like a fair bit of the footsteps and then the key tossing and everything is me and my partner drunk in a campground at about three in the morning running around on gravel road. Um, I slammed doors. I had my like I I, I tried to record it all. I felt it made it more atmospheric. And thank you for picking up on that. I appreciate it. Really well
2: done. You had me from the get go. That intro was great.
1: Doesn't the engine tell a story? Here's a fun fact behind the scenes. This is the director's cut version. During that three minute intro bike ride alone, that bike is the first motorcycle engine that has ever been recorded—a crotch rocket and an idling boat motor. Like a like like it. It's an Evan rude dude for a minute there.
2: I knew the boat motor. It was like the
1: <laughs> just for a brief minute. He's yeah. <laughs> it was like. <laughs> Um, During the jump sequence, the motorcycle goes from being um, a Harley Davidson V-Twin to a RC biplane.
2: Oh, wait, what? Like a a remote
1: control plane.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It definitely told a story. I don't think it would have been complete without that synth going hard though, man. Like that song, that song fucks.
1: Absolutely it does, man. No, my thing would have been nothing without the help of Vodava's Music Productions, who provided all the royalty-free music I lifted off of YouTube to make this thing. Three separate bangers in this guy's 1980s royalty-free for commercial use playlist. You can find it online, and I sure
2: fucking did. The other thing I'll say, too, is right at the start, I was like, okay, is this going to be like a playful, goofy, wholesome, Derek-smiley children's book? Uh, but really quickly, I realized, I was like, no, no, this will be satire. Like, this is going to be meta as fuck.
1: Yeah, I think for me, my inspo is, well, can you guess? What, what do you think about well, my Well, for me,
2: it was stuff like this. I had to close my eyes and visualize it right away. <laughs>
1: That's the best way to listen to an audio-only podcast.
2: It was already proven in facts and stats today, man. That audio format, my temperature was rising. My heart was racing. The emotional sensors were on fire.
1: Until we start merchandising, like, Polaroid photographs of your and my faces for the listener to look at while they listen to this, I think Eyes Closed is the best. You can imagine our hot, glistening blods. Yeah,
2: so with the satire meta vibes and the recycled, clever, but, like, recycled lines like, what, a bent spoke? (laughs) I was picturing dubbed over, like, American anime. So, like, Japanese animation with, like, American uh, dubs on top. Right, so, like, I... Good, good
1: for catching that. I was going for... There's an anime called Akira, which is just like, haha.
2: I bet you cannot wait to
1: race me (laughs) on a motorcycle. And um, basically the whole thing is supposed to be paced in the same way as, like, a Dragon Ball Z spirit bomb charging episode. So all of the dialogue (laughs) is just slow and you're like fucking fight already and they just don't for a whole episode
2: well obviously that's a testament though to what you were able to do with this because all I could see was your face but uh, visually in my head (laughs) I made that connection right away that it was that satire meta anime vibe
1: well, man, honestly, thank you for your kind words. I'd like to thank Post Malone, the Academy, Mom and Dad, your Mom and Dad, <laughs> your Mom and Dad's Post Malone. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I, we should probably roll into the big three here, man. Big three. So first things first, Ryan, for your effort, how did you feel?
2: I'd just like to start off by saying I genuinely appreciate you thanking Papa Post. So yeah, big three this week. The last three days, man, the last three days were definitely a five. But with the move on the weekend and everything, we had a week to do it. I put in three hard days of work, but we're a day late. So I'm going to dock myself one point four out of five. As far as new thing impact goes, I always get so in my head about these things. It's ADHD. Like, there's a million different ways I can look at it. But I told you earlier this week, man, I love to write. I love to be creative. I have a really hard time starting a story and finishing a story. I'm all middles. I'm all middles.
1: (laughs) I think that's why I keep, well, it's not why deliberately, but I think part of the counterbalance that we bring to this thing is I keep picking like really long time consuming things with the definitive start, middle, and end. And then you have to show me the fucking product live on television, live on radio, live on a podcast. Yeah, well, you know,
2: it's good for me. I'm going to die like a lot earlier because of stress <laughs> on my heart, but my creative soul is flourishing. You're not allowed
1: to die until I can retire on the money I've made with your voice, Ryan. So, I hate to break it to you.
2: Oh yeah, the very last one new thing, throw a funeral for your co-host. One last yeah. thing, a very <laughs> special season finale. <laughs>
1: <laughs> God, there's going to be an admittance charge. Just like are you groom side or like <laughs> Every season or every great sitcom ends with a funeral. That's, that's 10 minutes of audio. Like, fucking friends could never 10 minutes of audio. They Like, we didn't have visual components. You can buy 20 minutes easy. Well, for starters, commercial breaks, which we don't have yet. You can buy, like, 6 minutes easy on just showing a close-up of Ross
2: Geller's stupid face. Man, just so, like... Uh, Mm. like there's not even a word for his face
1: this isn't even a chirp on david schwimmer like he's fine as the giraffe in madagascar but ross geller just grinds my gears
2: well and you're right about the audio component nbc if you are listening we wrote a 10 minute audio only play that was absolutely dynamite absolutely a1 steak sauce bud a1 top shelf Whatever the meta ratings are, they were through the (laughs) roof. (laughs) I'll
1: tell you one thing. We're better than friends, NBC. We're best friends.
2: Yeah, we're best friends trying new things. Friends did the same thing for nine years.
1: I absolutely love a sponsorship, though. NBC, like, and by sponsorship, I do mean primetime cable television show and, like, a good Friday night slot around 8 p.m. Just after dinner while you're relaxing,
2: like, NBC. Here's the trade-off. You sponsor this podcast for, like, the next five seasons or so. We'll write you one free pilot just for you.
1: One whole free pilot. And you can, like, cast Jake Johnson to play me. And, like, I don't know. Who do you want to be? Man,
2: I don't know. I'm one of a kind. Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis, man. <Ben. laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis as Ryan, the podcaster on NBC Prime.
1: You and me both know he could pull it off. Daniel Day-Lewis can do fucking anything.
2: I'll say it right now
1: on the air for all of our listeners. Christian Bale, eat your heart out. You will never be Daniel Day-Lewis. Stop trying.
2: Oh, Daniel Day-Lewis is the greatest actor of all time. But just the thought of him playing a podcaster on an NBC pilot when you can't get the guy out of bed for like... Anything but being Abraham Lincoln is hilarious.
1: Facts and stats, did you know the average person passes Daniel Day-Lewis working at three businesses during their lifetime and doesn't even know it's Daniel Day-Lewis because he's invisible if he wants
2: to be? That's amazing. I did not know that, and now I am both informed and I had fun.
1: (laughs) You should be alarmed, though. The problem is that if Daniel Day-Lewis sees you and wants to be you, he can steal your whole identity seamlessly, and your family will never know.
2: Ooh, that's true. But... So, yeah, cycling it back. NBC. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, new thing, Impact, four and a half out of five, man. I started something. I completed it. I had fun doing it. I enjoyed it. It was a big one for me. Are you
1: going to do it again? Final question. Are you going to do it again?
2: Oh, 100%. There's zero doubt in my mind that I will be doing this again.
1: Can I just say that I think that's maybe the first time you've said you'll do it again to one of my suggestions. So that feels real good, man.
2: Are you sure? It's definitely the most sure I have been about one of your challenges. That is true. (laughs) But I'm sure i you know, it's honestly, these all blur together for me at this point. So maybe you're right.
1: I just want you to be proud of me. And I don't like, I, that's it. That's all I want. One, one great challenge pat on the back, a season, is enough to keep yeah, you Yeah, I
2: literally tell you I am proud of you every single week.
1: <laughs> That's true, but I actually wrote that as dialogue for you and then handed it to you, and you've been doing it ever since, so you, <laughs> it doesn't hit the same as something
2: organic. Me saying I am proud of you in a podcast and actually feeling it is very different. So, Derek, I feel proud of you for this challenge, my friend. But yeah, enough about me, man. What about you? Big three... Honest effort. What'd you put into this one? How hard did you go?
1: I think this is a distinction so many of us so often fail to make. Effort versus time consumed. Like, it was time consuming. The editing process takes a long time and gave me a new lease on how much work you actually do for this podcast after I go to sleep <laughs> when we're finished recording every week. Um, but, like, effort i recorded a bunch of it drunk. I had a great time recording it. I wasn't working super hard. I'm going to say like probably a 4.2 on effort overall. The editing is gets it to a 4. The rest of
2: it was a 0. 0.2. That's fair. That's a good score too though, man. Because I know time consumed might not be the big thing, but you put in the hours, you could just say, fuck it. And I'm actually really proud of you for the effort you put in with the...
1: And I think that's kind of the clincher for this week for me is that I can no longer pretend I don't know how to use the program we use to edit our podcast. I have now proven empirically that I can edit a podcast. And I think impact going forward is I'm going to have to start helping with the manufacturing of this thing. I'm, go- I'm, going, I'm going for a five <laughs> knowing that going forward after this moment, I'm going to have to actively help edit the podcast.
2: Dude, if you are going to a five because you have to help edit moving forward... That also means that I got to go to a five, man, because that directly impacts my life.
1: Wait, are we, doing, are we doing a
2: lockstep communal five on this thing? Dude, I think so. I think this is our first true united front. This is a certified, fi-
1: or certified five on impact. Let's, uh, <laughs> you know what I meant.
2: You know what I did. <laughs> Call Guinness, man. For the first time ever, we're giving out the gold star. We're giving out the red seal. This is a one new thing, hall of fame moment. Hall of fame. Well, it seems like you had a lot of fun, man. Are you going to do this again? You know what? Definitely. Uh, I've already got things
1: in my brain for like a sci-fi one. Come our autumn portion of the season, I'd like to hit like a Halloween spooky story. There's a lot of radio play potential. I got a lot of radio play in me. Uh, I had fun doing it with my friends. I'm going to have fun doing it later. And I'd love to do it without a one week time crunch. So I think for sure I could see myself doing this again.
2: Oh, definitely. When I do this again, it's not going to be a one-week challenge. I'll put some effort and some time in, and I'll sleep, so it's not so rushed, but it's happening. I can 100% see you doing this series, though. I can see you doing it as like an animated series on YouTube, though, like this whole meta, satirical, but different scenario uh, thing you got going on here. I liked it a lot.
1: So you're saying don't do another radio play. What you're saying is that I should Make
2: an anime. What I'm saying is I think you would be good at it. If you make this a one new thing where we write, direct, animate, and voice over an anime, I quit. I'm done.
1: But yeah, definitely I can see myself doing it again. And I think with that,
2: that's that's put a pin in radio play. Awesome, man. With the radio play ending, you know what that means. I do. Let me have it. Well, you know what, Derek? My plan originally was to sneak a like personal development one in. You know, I like those ones. A little me-time one. A little R&R after all of these adding up. But after you gave me the gift of one I actually enjoyed, I am so proud of you that I have chosen one that I'm positive you're going to like.
1: I feel like I'm being lulled into a false sense of security right
2: now. <laughs> well, you tell me. This week, our One New Thing Challenge is... We will be completing middle school science projects.
9: Like
1: like for the fair?
2: Oh, yeah. Science fair projects, dude. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I love this. this is such... Okay, wait. You and I both know so many teachers. Do you think we could find a panel of three teachers to give a like a grade to our science fairs?
2: That's genius. I love it. We know a ton of teachers. If you're listening and you're a teacher, we need a panel. Let's get it together.
1: And then we'll take the like the median score of each and get a final grade. Find out who makes the honor roll. Boom, it's
2: on man. I'm talking poster board with construction paper on it. And cut out squares of text that we wrote in Comic Sans. I'm talking learning about Saturn for no reason. I am excited, dude. Oh,
1: this is gonna be such a good episode.
2: So it is official. You guys tune in next week to see which one of us gets a blue ribbon and is on the honor roll and which one of us has to repeat the seventh grade. Well, that wraps up another episode of One New Thing. Our first thank yous, as always, are to you guys, our listeners, our supporters, our fans. I don't know if we thought of an official name for them yet, Derek. I called them New Thing Nation on the way in. I think
1: Newbies is cute. Um, I, I put up a poll earlier today and, like, Thingers is on there a lot. Um Somebody called us, said larvae or
2: pupils, and I thought those were both pretty funny. <laughs> well, whatever we end up calling you, just know that we love you. Make sure to go follow at One New Thing Podcast on Instagram to keep up with all of our visual representations of each challenge each week. This week, we also have a ton of other thank yous that we have to make. So I would like to thank all of the voice actors who helped me out with my radio play this week, Jane Bougeau. Duncan Campbell, Nikki Raynaugh, Brett Levesque, Chris Danchel, Jill Bell, Dane Epsilon, Eric McIsaac, Aidan McIsaac, Shanda Guy, Nathan Deering, Robert and Andrea Kukroots, Pat and Bev McIsaac, and also you, Derek Wallace. I also want to thank Jake Aarons,
1: Kelsey Henderson, Sarah Flynn, Rebecca Enns, Vodovaz Music Productions, you, Ryan Kukroots, and of course, Rollo the Dog for their work on my performance.
2: Facts and Stats intro music provided by Rogue Pixel Media, and a special shout out to his son and my nephew Leon for his appearance on the Facts and Stats Kids segment today. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to check out all the other podcasts on the platform you listen to this podcast on. Hey Derek, what's up, buddy? Proud of you, buddy. <laughs> I'm proud of you too. Dude. Talk about dang horse pony show, man. I'll tell you what. Okay, you don't have to be louder when I back you up. Just say the just, same. Yeah.
7: Okay. Dang. Damn. Damn.
3: <laughs> okay.